Great. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to uh, this first session of the day. Uh, introduction to Amazon CloudFront. Uh, hopefully, this is the session that you intended to be at. This is uh, section CTD uh, 205. Uh, this is a 200-level uh, overview of the product, and uh, we will go into a little bit of detail about how the product works, some applications, et cetera. Uh, my name is Tom Whitman. I've been with AWS for about five years, and I've been working in business development the whole time, and I'm really excited to talk to you uh, about this product today. So uh, I'll go over a couple things that you can expect from our session today. Um, we are going to make sure that you have a good understanding of what Amazon CloudFront uh, Content Delivery Network is, uh, some of the benefits of using the service for your applications, and in, in particular in default architectures. Um, we've got a number of new features and uh, services that we've launched over the, the course of uh, uh, the last year. I wanna make sure that uh, you're aware of what they are. And uh, I got some exciting news for you today too in the, in the presentation. Uh, we'll go over some of the pricing components, uh, how to get started with it. And of course, I've got a couple of good customer examples uh, that uh, you may find relevant, and we'll cover those as well. So let's go ahead and get started. So just to level set, I want to make sure that everyone is on the same page and understands what is a CDN and why would you use one. So some of you may be here uh, in the session to understand and uh, use a CDN for the first time, or you may be experienced in using CDNs in the past, uh, and want to see how CloudFront can uh, compare to uh, current uh, uh, solutions that you may have in place, or maybe time for you to start implementing a CDN in your architecture uh, since you've grown over time. So let's just level set and make sure we're all on the same page. So first of all, quite simply, uh, a content delivery net a CDN is a content delivery network, and that's what CloudFront is. Essentially, it's a large distribution of caching servers that are located, uh, uh, that are geographically located around the world. These uh, servers uh, contain content that's normally on your origin servers for your application, whether it's your web application, or your mobile application, desktop app, whatever it may be. The requests that are made to your origin are typically routed directly to your origin. You have to scale that origin. What a content delivery network does is it takes copies of that content that's, that's popular, static content that doesn't change, or dynamic content, and routes viewers to the best location to receive that content that's in the cache. The cache contains the appropriate content to deliver to the customers from the edge. That content may be static in nature, again, that, that, the content that doesn't change, or it may be content that does change, it's dynamic, it's created either on the fly or in response to where, where a user is or the type of device that they may be on. Content delivery networks accelerate dynamic content delivery, and they do that in a number of ways, and I'll, I'll dive down deeper into how CloudFront does this. And another thing that they do is they provide scalability and performance for applications. So they're going to uh, make your applications, uh, give the, the ability for your applications to scale globally over time and be able to maintain a high level of performance. So we'll go into then what exactly is the Amazon CloudFront service based on that definition of CDN. Well, Amazon CloudFront is our global content delivery network. It's built with massive capacity and scalability. 
we have optimized the service over the, the course of many, many years to uh, be very performant and to operate at tremendous scale. Uh, as you know, we have uh, many customers uh, that, that use CloudFront today for a wide variety of applications, so performance and scalability is very important, but so is security. And security features are built right into the CDN. They're inherent into the CDN, and you get them by default, but you also have the ability to configure certain security options. And we'll dive down into a little bit more depth on what those security options are and how you can configure them for optimal effect. Also, CloudFront is fully self-service. And uh, like many of our AWS services, you're in control. So you have the ability to turn up the service on demand or turn it down on demand or make changes on the fly. And you can do that either via our management console or our robust set of APIs. Uh, there's also reporting that's included with the CDN and included uh, at no, no charge. It's really important to see how report, to look at reports and see how customers, your customers are interfacing with your application through the CDN and so that you can modify the application or modify how the CDN interfaces with your customer or your origins. Uh, and so the, the content delivery network has been optimized for many things and essentially every use case for static content, for dynamic content, for audio streaming, for video streaming, you name it. And we'll go over uh, some specific use cases as well. So I think it's important for you to understand some of our core tenets, the things that as we build the CDN and operate it, that are really important to us because we know that they're important to you and to maintaining your application performance. Number one, we maintain uh, that the, the CDN be highly secure. A lot of your applications have stringent security requirements and we want to make sure that your content is protected, that your environment is protected, and that you can scale without uh, worry about having the, the, uh, the application or the architecture go down. With that comes high availability. When you put CloudFront or CDN in front of your application, you need to make sure that the CDN is always there. And so uh, availability is utmost importance. Scalability as well, from a global perspective, we need to make sure that we can handle on-demand customers that come in and may have large-scale events or customers that have uh, events that, uh, or sustained traffic over time. Scalability is super important for us. Of course, uh, the performance, the latency, uh, the throughput, the, uh, uh, the availability are, are all important. And equally is making sure that it's cost effective. Oftentimes, uh, the content delivery piece becomes a significant part of your infrastructure from a cost perspective. We're sensitive to that, and we make sure that uh, we are cost optimized for your applications and that it's easy to use. So I'm going to go into understanding those core tenants. I'm going to go into the service components that actually make up CloudFront. And now is when we'll start to dive down a little bit deeper into each one of these components. At the highest level, though, it's important to understand that Amazon CloudFront is really made up of two things. It's a distribution and the edge locations where those distributions exist. Uh, we'll go through each one of these uh, distributions, origins, behaviors, restrictions, uh, some inclu inclusions like the uh, AWS, WAF, the web application firewall, uh, edge locations, and we'll end with some price classes. That'll be the end of the service components, and then we can dive into some more details uh, in terms of uh, 
benefits and some of the examples. So at the highest level, a distribution. So what is a distribution? A distribution is really the instantiation of, of CloudFront. And a distribution uh, essentially is a pointer to the, uh, the original content that you're hosting, either in an AWS origin or in your own custom origin that may be located in your, in your corporate data center. The, uh, every single CloudFront distribution has a domain, a domain name that's assigned to, to it. It's usually an alphanumeric like abc123.cloudfront.net. And uh, that's used to reference the files that we're going to cache or we're going to serve. Uh, the origins need to be specified within that distribution as well. CloudFront needs to know when a request comes in and we don't have the content stored on the cache, we need to know where to get it. So we specify an origin, in this example at origin.mysite.com. Uh, we also provide different types of communication via the protocol. So you can communicate with CloudFront via HTTP or HTTPS. And we can also configure um, specific tags. We can uh, change the different types of origins, have different behaviors, and have more fine-grained uh, cache control. And I'll go over uh, some of those cache controls. Now, it might be it's interesting to note, though, on a distribution that you can have, uh, even though that domain name is assigned to you, you may want to use your own domain name, something like uh, mysite.com or cdn.mysite.com. So a, a hint here would be to CNAME, the CloudFront distribution domain, so that it looks like when content is being requested from your end users, it's coming from the domain that you own. Uh, CloudFront distributions can have many, many CNAMEs. And so, and this is really important because you can have, uh, you know, uh, cdn.tom.com or cdn.mysite.com all hosted within the same exact CloudFront distribution. And you can even have different behaviors depending on the different type of, the, uh, the different domain. So the beauty there is that you're able to host many different websites or many different applications behind a single distribution and it keeps ease of operations for you. Of course, you can have many different uh, distributions and do that on an individual basis as well. So let's go into the origins. Uh, so the, the very top level, uh, or where CloudFront is going to end up getting the content from, is essentially any publicly addressable uh, uh, web server. And that could be an S3 bucket, or it could be an EC2 instance. It could be an EC2 instance behind an application load balancer or an elastic load balancer. It could be an application, a web server that's hosted within your corporate data center. Um, in order to maintain that security and to make sure that your origin is delivering content to CloudFront, there's a couple of things that you can configure. One, if you're not familiar with it, or if you are, is an origin access identity for S3. So essentially, it, it, what this will do is it'll, it will uh, restrict access to an S3 bucket to just CloudFront, if that's what you want to do. Uh, and then any other request that would come in, if it's not coming from CloudFront, they'll be denied. So this is a good way to lock down your origin to make sure that only CloudFront is accessing it. Another thing you can do is you can use a signed URL or like a tokenized type of a URL such that um, CloudFront can uh, use that to access the origin and the origin will only respond with the content if that signed URL is valid. Uh, or uh, a feature that we uh, recently put in place is the ability to inject a custom header within uh, that goes back from CloudFront to your origin, and based on the value that you set in that, or that header, CloudFront 
uh, will send that off. Your origin will look for that header. If the header doesn't exist, your origin will, can deny uh, the request. If the header exists and the value is incorrect, it can, uh, it can also uh, deny access. So if this is another step along the way in terms of securing your origin, making sure that CloudFront is, is uh, making the request and it's a valid request. To make sure that the performance piece is in place, we uh, have what we call persistent connections. So we persist that connection uh, via TCP between the, the CloudFront edge cache and your origin. And what that does is that uh, helps us to speed up content delivery when we don't have an item in cache or uh, for dynamic content to keep the dynamic content channel open so we don't have that chattiness between the edge and the origin. Uh, we also have the ability to do um, an encrypted connection, either full bridge or half bridge. So if you want to have an encrypted connection between your end user and CloudFront, you can set that up. But if you want to continue the encryption all the way from the CloudFront edge location to your origin, you can enforce that as well. So you can have this full bridge SSL connection. Uh, CloudFront can also be used to proxy connections. So not all content is cacheable, and, but that doesn't mean you can't use CloudFront or that you shouldn't use CloudFront. CloudFront's an ideal uh, application component to scale applications as a proxy because it allows a, a connection close to the end user and a least latent connection. And even if it's passed through, we're able to get the content to your origin faster and then deliver that content quicker to, the, to your end user to speed up your application. CloudFront's really optimized for AWS resources as well. So because it's all on the same network and we're within Amazon resources, we're able to make sure that content between an S3 or an EC2 or an ALB uh, origin can get to CloudFront quickly. And in many cases, uh, it's just a, a couple milliseconds away. So let's go into uh, the behaviors. This is where we really start to realize the power of CloudFront because this is where you're able to really do all the configurations. Behaviors um, allow you to uh, enforce policies. They allow you to uh, change the type of content that might be delivered or vary the content depending on who's requesting it or, or, t or how long an object may stay in cache, among other things. Uh, on the screen here are a number of the different uh, behaviors, and I'm going to go into those and dive a little bit deeper into each of these so that you can understand uh, how they're used or if you should be using them within your application architecture. So we'll start with path pattern matching. At the very top, oh, I should mention, though, back on the, uh, on the behaviors that uh, CloudFront distributions can have one-to-many behaviors. There's always one. It's at least a default behavior. And so if you do nothing uh, and just leave the default behavior, all the configuration information that you put on that behavior will, uh, will be honored for every single request that's made. But you can have different behaviors and then set those behaviors up in an order of precedence. And if in that order of precedence a condition isn't met, a path pattern isn't met, then the default behavior will take, will take place. And that's where we come to path patterns. So a path pattern is basically looking at uh, the, uh, a path and its pattern so, and make a decision uh, that could route to a different origin. Uh, it could change the uh, communication protocol, HTTP or HTTPS. Uh, it could even designate which HTTP methods can be accepted by the distribution and the origin as well. So by default, 
the uh, the methods that are, are always used are get and head requests, but you can also use put, post, patch, options, and delete for dynamic content and for ingesting content into your origins through CloudFront as a proxy, like forms and things like that. Uh, the other thing you can do is uh, you can modify headers and, ch and pass headers onto the origins so that the origins can change. Uh, the response based on that, or you can uh, set how long an, a, a particular object may be cached. If you know an object's really never going to change, let's say you're hosting your corporate website uh, using CloudFront and you have your logo, your logo is not likely to change, set the TTL for as long as possible and we'll keep it in the cache as long as possible. Uh, you can also do things like set uh, cookies and uh, query strings and forward those onto the origin as well, and those end up getting set as the cache key for those particular objects. Uh, you can do things like restrict access uh, for content that uh, is specific for particular users, subscription, etc., or you can set compression. You can do this on every single behavior that matches that particular path pattern. So as an example, let's say a path pattern is set up and we want to use it to select a particular origin. Let's say you have, uh, you can, you always have one origin for CloudFront, but let's say you have, you know, four or five origins. What you can do is set up your path pattern and then based on that, that pattern, you can select which origin to route to. Let's say all your static content is hosted in an Amazon S3 bucket and all of your dynamic content is in an EC2 instance uh, that's generating PHP or, or JavaScript on the fly. Uh, so based on the path pattern, and as simple even as a MIME type, and do a star dot uh, CSS or JPEG, you can route to S3, uh, PHP, or JS, you can go to uh, your EC2 instance. Uh, what's really nice about CloudFront and the integration with other AWS services is as you're choosing your origin, if it's an AWS resource, an S3 bucket, let's say, it'll show up in the, uh, the origin domain name. Of course, you can always enter your own origin domain name there as long as it's publicly addressable, and that'll work as well. You set up your path and your origin IDs, et cetera. The other really nice thing about CloudFront and the integration is if you don't already have an origin access ID set up and you want to set one up for S3, you can do it here while you're configuring the distribution, and of course you can always go back into, uh, or, or you can also set up uh, the, the read permissions, a bucket policy uh, within S3, and you can always go back into S3 and modify that later, but the, the nice thing is we'll do it for you and automatically implement that on your S3 bucket. And we will make, uh, we will make all the objects in that S3 bucket readable you know, we have, you have to make them public when you're in, in S3. They'll be made public to, for CloudFront only to read those and, uh, uh, and retrieve those. So you don't have to make that subsequent new items that you put in that bucket public. The, uh, uh, the next thing is headers. So when we look at headers, uh, the he headers are really powerful in how we interact with um, web applications. So, uh, as I mentioned, get and head requests are always used. Um, but And you can always choose to add headers, and there's a list of headers that you can, standard headers that you can have CloudFront forward onto your origin to vary the response. Or you can put your own custom headers in there as well. And what we do is we end up caching based on what those headers are. And, uh, and if you want us to forward all the headers to the origin, that content is we're not going to cache all that content. We're always going to go back to the origin, right? So it's important to know which headers you're going to uh, 
uh, want to forward to the origin and not, because that's going to change how performant the CDN is and how often we're going to go back, the CDN is going to go back to your origin, which could have impacts in terms of scaling your origin and um, uh, latency, et cetera. So I have a little a list there. Uh, if you have no headers forwarded back to the origin, this is an optimized type of a situation. This means that we're going to cache as much as possible. If you whitelist a particular header or set of headers, those headers will uh, be forwarded to the origin. Everything else, uh, everything else won't be, and that those objects will be cached. But if you send all the headers in, essentially we're looking like a proxy, and we're sending all uh, requests back to the origin. So you can see how that could impact how the, the CDN would, uh, would operate. So as a reminder, and this is, I'm not going to go through this here, but this is a good uh, kind of a reference, but here's the different uh, HTTP headers that CloudFront supports. Uh, the, the things really to, to call out here are the put and post, the patch, delete, and options. And you can change uh, on a per distribution basis and a per behavior basis whether or not you want to accept these HTTP methods. And if you don't want to accept them, then you can tell Cloud, CloudFront can error and send custom error pages back to the, to the requester, whether that's a person or a machine in a B2B type application. So let's go over how uh, an example of how you would change uh, a request or vary a response based on headers. In the first example here, I'm varying based on a user agent. And so we uh, have built into CloudFront a detection of the, the user agent. So if it's a mobile device, uh, if it's a tablet, or if it's a PC, we also have a smart TV. And so what we'll do is if that, the CloudFront is mobile viewer is set, uh, then that, or if we detect that it is a mobile viewer, we'll set that header, we'll send it out to the origin. Your origin, you'll already have that configured to respond differently. So in that case, you can say, well, you know, smaller objects are going to go to this, uh, this mobile device. The large objects are going to go to the OTT device. Same thing uh, based on language. So you can, you know, vary based on language and have regional specificity so long as the accept language uh, header is set. Uh, and then finally, uh, you can uh, vary based on the protocol. So if a customer comes in with a request that you want to be encrypted over HTTPS, but they ask for HTTP, you still want to accept that, but maybe you'll send them a different response or you'll send them a different piece of content. So these are some examples of how you might want to use that. So query strings and cookies, here's where it gets even more interesting because you can set query strings and for dynamic content um, and for uh, content that may be uh, like streaming content for video, this, this, is a, this is a good thing to, to be aware of and set. So we will honor the query strings and cookies, we'll pass them back on to the origin and what you can do is you can essentially have one object that has multiple cache keys. And because the query string uh, may be different for uh, user A or user B. And essentially what you end up doing is you're having more and more objects be cached and you're actually going back to the origin a couple more times too. So if you forward all, you can either forward all cookies and query strings back to the origin or you could forward a whitelist. And again, this is going to change the cache efficiency. So it's something to really be aware of. Now I mentioned the, um, a use case with video. A lot of 
Uh, a lot of us are now delivering video, and we've become uh, really sensitive to uh, end-user bandwidth requirements. So adaptive bitrate video is, uh, is very popular. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll go over that uh, in the next uh, section here with signed URLs. Uh, and what signed URLs end up doing is they uh, restrict access to content to only users that have rights to that content or, or that have either subscribed to that content uh, or that you have digital rights to deliver that content for. Uh, we, you can set up a, a signed URL uh, using one of our canned uh, policies or a custom policy, um, and your application and your application server sets that signed URL, sends it back to the user, and then the user ends up sending that to CloudFront. We look for the, uh, if it's valid, and then we'll send the content back. Uh, and then we cache based on that signed URL, that signature, and we use that signature as the cache key as well. And so that cache key will expire as soon as that signature expires. So an example of how that works, and I'm going to use the, the, uh, the video example here uh, to kind of show you that a little bit more. But when a request first comes in, your end user, if you want them to have a signed URL, the end user will make that request to your application server. And you're going to generate that signed URL and send it back along with the 302. A 302 redirect is going to go to CloudFront, and CloudFront's going to see it. It's going to look at the uh, URL. It's going to authenticate it, make sure that it's still valid. Uh, and some of the uh, validity can be uh, along the lines of uh, the IP address itself and, and certainly a, a time window. And then if it's still valid, then we're going to uh, honor the request, set the cache key, and send the, uh, the content back. Now, in the video example, if you had to do this for a, a, an adaptive bitrate stream where you have a manifest file and many different transport segments, and you're delivering those transport segments of the video every two or four seconds, signing each URL for each transport segment can be pretty taxing on your origin server. So the solution for that, if you're doing this type of delivery, is to, to use the signed cookie feature. And if the signed cookie is set, and is still valid, then all requests during that session for that content will be delivered without having to sign every single transport segment. So this is a way for you to have still a secure connection, uh, to have a, and you can use HTTPS for this, and then you can also have a signed URL to restrict, uh, to restrict access. Uh, so we'll go into SSL certificates now. Each CloudFront distribution supports SSL. SSL is a, a, a pretty uh, ubiquitous requirement for us. And uh, you can, there's three me methods you can use. So you can either use the CloudFront shared cert at no cost, and uh, you will end up using your CloudFront distribution ID, um, the alphanumeric.cloudfront.net. Or if you want to use a vanity URL or CNAME it, you can upload your own cert and you do that with Amazon Identity Access Management, uh, the search store, and then apply that to uh, the, the uh, distribution. Or, for no charge, you can use the Amazon Certificate Manager, get a certificate, and automatically apply it to the CloudFront distribution, either during the setup or independently, apply it to your CloudFront distribution and all your other, um, or, and some of your other AWS resources, such as EC2. Protocol enforcement. So a lot of times uh, you want to enforce the protocol. You want to say, look, I need everyone coming into my web application to be either HTTP or HTTPS. I don't care. Or it must be HTTPS uh, based on your InfoSec requirements. Or uh, it can just be HTTP. Or we can match 
uh, what the, what the requirement is. So it doesn't doesn't really matter. The nice thing is you have that capability for the the CDN to respond. TTLs. So uh, it's important to set the right TTL and to understand the type of content that you're delivering. You set a small a, a TTL that's very low for dynamic content, content that's going to change quickly, uh, or content that's long. You'll set a very large TTL. If you set the TTLs appropriately, you're going to effectively reduce the, the load on the origin uh, even better because the CDN's responding uh, a little bit better. If the content has expired uh, and the TTL has expired but we still have that object in cache, what we'll do is we'll send a, 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 get, a head request back to your origin and we'll look to see if, the, if it's been modified since the, last, uh, since the last request. If it hasn't, we'll refresh and then we'll send the content from the cache. So essentially, you get a head request and not a get request, and we're reducing, while we're just doing a request for information, we're not doing a data transfer from your origin to the CDN. So that kind of helps out as well. And you can set min, max, and default uh, TTLs on a per object basis or a per distribution basis. Finally, uh, the last part of the behaviors is gzip compression. And uh, this is really important for uh, customers that want to conserve bandwidth and to uh, speed up the delivery of a, of a number of files. So if you have uh, the header set with content, um, content type uh, header set and you have it set to gzip, then what we'll do is we'll have the CDN uh, zip the content, send it, and let the, the browser do the, do the gzip on the client side. Uh, some of the supported file types are listed here. Uh, these can also be found in the CloudFront Developer's Guide and, of course, on these slides as a reference later. So uh, the other things that are included in here are things for restrictions, error pages, and tagging. Uh, at no additional charge, CloudFront allows you to restrict access to content based on geography of the requester. We do that on a country-by-country uh, basis and in the United States down to a state level. Uh, this uh, can be either whitelisted or blacklisted. Uh, and this might be because uh, you have a security policy in place or you only have rights to distribute content to certain locations. You put this in, and in a matter of minutes, uh, you're, you're delivering content uh, or restricting content, either whitelist or blacklist. For error pages, um, let's say uh, in the previous example, we wanted to do a protocol enforcement uh, and or um, an HTTP method enforcement. And so somebody made a post or a put request into your web application, and you're only allowing get and head. Well, you're going to return an error. But rather than returning an error, you want to return an error page, something that says, hey, we're not down, or we understand that, that you made this request, but we're going to send you this request back. And you can cache that error page for a certain amount of time. In addition, you can also set the response code that we'll send back, to, because if it's an application making the request, we may not want to say that it's an invalid request or that it's not authorized. We might want to send a 200 OK with some additional information there and cache that error response as well. That way, your applications can still be in sync and in communication, and you're not sharing information that's not, uh, or you're not allowing uh, a behavior uh, that you don't want to authenticate. So uh, more along the lines of security, uh, because it's such an integral part of CloudFront, uh, the AWS WAF definitely needs to um, 
be mentioned. And what that what this does, if you're not already aware of it, it's a layer seven um, application protection that is built into each of our CloudFront edge locations worldwide. Uh, there's fast rule propagation. Uh, you're in full control of how uh, the WAF operates, and uh, you can set this up either uh, on a, a per-distribution basis, uh, set up a AWS web ACL and rules and different conditions that may be met, and you can also integrate this with uh, other services like Lambda or S3 or CloudWatch and automate some security responses. Uh, the diagram shows some of the different automations that, that you can take advantage of in addition to some of the standard uh, rules that we have available for you like uh, SQL injection blocking, cross-site scripting, uh, bot uh, uh, scraping, uh, and um, IP address uh, uh, blocking uh, that may be helpful for uh, protecting against layer seven attacks like HTTP floods. Uh, so, the edge locations. This is really the, uh, the big component in terms of a geography perspective. So, we have a global set of edge locations. When a request comes into CloudFront for your content, we route to the least latent or the best performing CloudFront distribution node. And that may or may not be the one that's closest in terms of a geography perspective. It likely is. But in the event of high web traffic or uh, in the event of uh, an outage, uh, then we'll route you to the least latent performing node. That ensures the availability. Uh, at each of the locations, we have these the, the services there, the, the CloudFront uh, service itself, the AWS WAF, likely it's Route 53 um, resolver uh, location as well. Uh, network expansion is continually going. We're, we've, uh, we've added many locations this year already, and uh, we uh, really are tuned for performance. So. Um, what's really cool for in terms of performance is something that I'm, I'm uh, honored to announce, and this is new, uh, and this is available now this week, is CloudFront Regional Edge Caches. So what this is, is uh, nine regional caches that we've deployed uh, around the world, and essentially what it is, it's a caching tier between the CloudFront Edge location and your origin. So now there's an additional tier that's available. And this does a number of different things. Um, what it does is, in the previous architecture, all content uh, uh, edge locations, CDN edge locations that are represented here in yellow, went back to your origin if they did not have the content. Going forward, as a default part of the architecture, and you don't have to do anything to enable this, it's already going to be set up for you, is that if the content is not in the edge location, uh, we'll first go to the, the, uh, the regional edge cache, and then if it's there, then we'll go ahead and populate the edge cache. If it's only if it's not in the regional edge cache do we end up going back to the origin. Example, in uh, location A and location B are close to each other. Location A request content didn't have it, goes to the origin and gets it. Location B, which may be just, you know, in the next state, requests that same piece of content before we would go back to the origin. Now, because we've already populated the mid-tier, we just go to that mid-tier and deliver it. So we do a couple of things there. We reduce the load on your origin. We increase uh, the, the um, size of the cache, essentially, and the ability for us to deliver content um, uh, uh, to uh, the edge locations. And um, 
the, the best thing about this uh, probably is that in addition to allowing you to scale and, and having the CDN scale and you don't have to scale your, your origins, is that there's no additional cost for it. We, it's now included uh, as just part of the default architecture. Uh, you can measure the effectiveness of this new uh, service feature and this, this new architecture by looking at the cache hit ratio metrics that are uh, supplied in, uh, in the management console. So what does this mean? This means now that this is what the CDN looks like. We have 68 uh, global edge locations worldwide. In addition, we have those nine regional edge caches of which each of those 69 are, are, uh, uh, have a connection to. And we're in 43 cities and five continents worldwide. So now it's a, it's a massive uh, global uh, content delivery network. Uh, and we're continuing to expand it all the time. If you're interested and this is important to you, always look at the AWS website on the global infrastructure for updates on when we have additional edge locations and as we add them throughout the year. Finally, this takes us to the final uh, CloudFront component uh, that's worth mentioning, and that's price classes. Price classes uh, can only really be understood if you understand the concept of where we are in the different regions that we have. Price classes is not a performance uh, uh, feature, and it's, it's not a technical feature. It's really just a cost optimization. And a lot of our customers uh, realize that since we price the service based on where the content is being served from. We have regional pricing that if you have most of your content being delivered in one region, you don't necessarily need it to be delivered from all over the world. So, uh, and you could deliver it from the least cost region or the least cost edge locations. So by default, we deliver content from every single edge location. If you want to optimize cost, and just deliver from regions that have uh, the lowest cost uh, pricing, then you set it to North America and Europe. And that restricts the CDN to 45 edge locations, 28 cities, and 11 countries. Still a big CDN, right? But it's optimally priced as just a lower cost. If performance is a little bit more important to you, but you still want to shave some costs and from the highest area, from our highest cost regions, which are in India and Australia, then you would set this last uh, option, North America, Europe, and Southeast, uh, East and Southeast Asia. So an example architecture, putting that all together, your web application is hosted either in AWS or Ant, or it's hosted in your corporate data center for either static content or dynamic content. That entire application can sit behind CloudFront and a CloudFront distribution, or many CloudFront distributions. Those CloudFront distributions have a regional edge cache that's going to uh, get the information upon request or proxy the communication back to uh, your origin server. In addition, it's connected to the, regional ed the, the local edge cache that's going to deliver the actual content. And if there is an AWS WAF rule, we will implement that rule upon request, and we'll either count the requests that come in, we'll either block those requests, or we'll allow those requests based on the rules that you set up and their subsequent actions. So uh, this is really important because it's, it's not just an example architecture, it's an example default architecture for hosting a web application uh, in AWS and using CloudFront to, uh, to your advantage. 
So those benefits then, just to summarize what they are, in the next uh, two slides I'll go over some of these benefits, but essentially you're going to speed up the application and you're going to scale, uh, you're going to allow your application to scale and let CloudFront do the heavy lifting for you. Let us scale it. Uh, you're going to secure the infrastructure and you're going to control the cost of that data transfer, either through price classes uh, or through a different pricing options that I'll cover in a second. And essentially, we can handle any use case. And I put a bunch of different industries up here uh, that may be relevant to you, but there's just really too many to list, but I put some of the most popular ones up here. And it always comes up about security. And so, uh, again, I have some more security. And just as a recap, there are compliance and then there's security uh, features or components. So the compliance is PCI uh, DSS level one. So if you're doing anything with credit card uh, information or transactions, you have to have a PCI compliant architecture. Both CloudFront and the AWS WAF are PCI compliant in addition to the ISO 9001, 2701, uh, 17, and 18. Uh, security enhancements for the architecture, we kind of covered a lot of these. Uh, signed URLs and cookies, uh, enforcing encryption SSL, uh, we also uh, now support and authored a white paper on supporting iOS ATS for those of you that are developing mobile applications for uh, Apple iOS platforms. Uh, and uh, the other thing is that it's an integral part of AWS, not just S3 and EC2 that I had mentioned, but if you're developing mobile applications and you're using AWS Mobile Hub or Amazon Cognito, you get a CloudFront distribution. And that CloudFront distribution is automatically set up for you. It, it helps you scale your, your mobile application and your environment. It also, we also uh, help you with uh, Amazon API Gateway, uh, web and application servers uh, like uh, ELB and EC2, but also for Amazon's uh, enterprise applications, uh, you, can, you can host those as well. Uh, the other thing to note is on each of these, uh, you can see Route 53 is in the mix because you always want to either put a C name or use routing policies in conjunction with CloudFront. So let's talk about the pricing component. Uh, the pricing is, is often a, a big component, and it's important to understand how it's priced so that you can configure this correctly. Uh, and I put pricing components on here for both CloudFront and the AWS WAP so you have a full understanding if you're using uh, both services in conjunction. So we do, we bill on a gigabyte delivery model. So every gigabyte that is delivered, you're assessed a charge, and that's based on a region. Uh, and then there's also request fees, uh, either HTTP or HTTPS request fees, uh, and then a certificate charge. Now, what's really important here is that there's no difference in the per gigabyte delivery rate if it's HTTP or HTTPS, because it's the same network, and the way we look at it is it's a bit to bit, if it's encrypted or not, it's sent to you at the same cost. For AWS WAF, there's three pricing components. The web, at the highest tier is the web ACL, and then any of the rules that are associated with it and any of the requests that come into the WAF itself. The important thing to know about the AWS WAF and that pricing is that you can set up a web ACL and apply that to one to many CloudFront distributions at exactly the same price. There's no additional charge for adding additional distributions to the web ACL. So that's really, um, that's really a cost-saving benefit as well. Uh, what, does, what does it look like then as you grow your application and you continue using CloudFront over time? Uh, and the more data that you pass out of CloudFront, the less 
it costs on a per gigabyte basis. And it, and that's all of our pricing for this is published online for our on-demand pricing, but we also have uh, what we call uh, usage commitment options or reserve capacity pricing. And with reserve capacity pricing, you essentially get a discount to the on-demand pricing in exchange for uh, a, a monthly or annual commitment in traffic. Uh, we have no platform fees, and again, there's no uh, additional charges uh, for SSL so long as you are using either the CloudFront shared cert or a cert that was issued through the Amazon Certificate Manager. Another thing about Amazon CloudFront pricing that will come to effect here that may surprise you is, is, is here, and I want to show this to you. So if you're using uh, Amazon resources as an origin, and not using a CDN, you're charged for the data transfer and the requests. And that's true on each one of the different uh, options here. If you put a CDN in place that's not CloudFront, you still pay that, that data transfer fee and those request fees to fill the caches of that CDN, and then you pay that CDN charges. So you have to add all that up. Here's the cool part. If you use CloudFront, because we, we uh, run this network and we're, we're passing on additional um, savings to you is that any of the requests made back to an, an Amazon origin and the, and the request fees, all that is, is at no charge. And so the only thing that you pay is the CloudFront fee. And if you have the on-demand pricing and you set up price classes or you elect to do a reserve capacity pricing, that could significantly uh, be a good cost savings. So that's another thing to keep in mind. As a summary, the different pricing options, on-demand, pay-as-you-go, reserve capacity, and the price classes to optimize can be applied to either the on-demand or the reserve capacity option. Uh, some of the highlights are listed in the box. I won't go through those because I, I kind of already did. Uh, this is a, just a good reference for you. So that takes us to uh, one final component, and that is, uh, that is performance. And performance and availability is always very important. And there's a lot of different ways to, to measure performance. And, and here are some, some methods. Uh, the method that, that we really like and we, and we like our customers to look at is the one that's on top. And we're looking at the different methods from uh, accuracy and validity starting at the bottom uh, and going up to the top. It gets more and more accurate, more valid, and, but it also gets a little bit more complex. So when you look at uh, measuring performance, you can look at the network itself, uh, and the, what's called the data center or the backbone measurement. How fast is data transiting the CDN internal to the CDN or back and forth to the origin? Well, that's one measurement, but it doesn't really tell you about what your customer is experiencing. So you go up a little bit and you say, well, tell me about the last mile, that last mile between the CloudFront edge location, the CDN edge location, and your user. Well, that tells you part of the story as well, but doesn't tell you about the origin communication either. Piece it all together, and you could use synthetic real user measurements that is representative of your type of traffic and can be done with uh, uh, probes and nodes around the internet, but it's not your traffic, it's similar to your traffic. And then you go to real user measurements that's actually your traffic, and you implement this, and you can see what is your actual user experience. And in that way, you can say, well, how is the CDN actually performing? And how is it performing differently than my origins alone or with maybe a different CDN? Another dimension of performance is availability. This availability uh, chart that I'm showing you 
uh, is from a third party called Sodexus, and everything that's here in red is the highest availability, so up to 100% availability. So across the globe, you can see that CloudFront is an ultra-high-available CDN. The other dimension that's really important from a CDN perspective is latency. Again, this is uh, data from the last 30 days, uh, as reported by third-party Sodexus, and this shows you the latency in milliseconds of delivery. And this compares eight different CDNs. And as you can see, uh, all these top CDNs are performing really close to each other in terms of the number of milliseconds. And this is showing you uh, the uh, 10 percentile to 95th percentile, and about the 75th percentile where most of the traffic is end up coming. And you can see just within a few milliseconds. CloudFront is in here, and it's the one that's listed in pink. So if you are attacked, and if you have a DDoS attack, what does that do to your availability? Well, here's a real example of an attack that happened on a CloudFront customer, and its effect on availability in the smaller graph. The sample attack traffic was noted, and uh, a large spike in traffic over this time period. And as you can see, there's literally no impact to the availability. That's because CloudFront is able to scale, handle the attack traffic, and still deliver uh, the legitimate traffic to the end user. So understanding the, uh, uh, what's left and what's available uh, for you, just understanding the application and uh, knowing that where you can get information, how the CDN is performing, uh, you can set up a WC, uh, W3C uh, logs into an S3 bucket, ingest those into your favorite uh, data analysis tool, uh, and you can uh, control permissions to that. If you want a graphical display of it, we include at no charge uh, some cache statistics, charts, tables, uh, and uh, uh, information about errors, browser types, uh, geographies, uh, popular objects, those can all be here. And you can restrict access to this too, so if you want your marketing team to understand, well, what are your popular objects? but you want your, your tech team to understand, you know, what are the errors that I'm receiving? What are my responses to that? Those are two different things. So you want to make sure that you can separate that. So in summary uh, about what's new, uh, the certificate manager this year, we now support IPv6. We take advantage of HTTP2 and all the advantages there for accelerating dynamic content. We allow you to uh, whitelist query strings. Uh, cost allocation tagging is, is new and that if you're hosting multiple websites or multiple domains for your company or if you're a reseller and uh, you're, you're, you want to understand whose cost is, needs to be allocated where, you can do that. Uh, the origin security options, that's the one I mentioned, that header that goes back into uh, the request and the new edge locations including the regional edge caches. So if you want to get started with uh, Amazon CloudFront, it's really easy to do. Our developer guide is available. We have tutorials and blogs. Uh, the screenshot there is actually from Amazon.com. It's available on Kindle as well, so you can always get the latest update. Uh, you can also get many of our developer guides that way for other Amazon products. Uh, there's a free tier. You get 50 gigabytes of delivery every month and 2 million requests on HTTP or HTTPS. This allows you to try before you buy type thing, right? So it allows you to get familiar with how to set up CloudFront, either in a test environment or in a production environment, and uh, understand how the, how the CDN is going to work at no charge. There's a couple of links here to some on the AWS blogs about integrations with uh, automated rules and uh, uh, serving videos to millions of customers with a, with a mobile application. If you're still 
a little bit unsure about how to get started with Cloudflare and you need some help, we also announced our Amazon Cloudfront partner program. And at, here at reInvent, we have 23 partners that we launched with. You can find one of those partners, talk to them about their uh, level of proficiency and in the Cloudfront and the AWS WAF, and they can help you onboard and uh, uh, get your configuration set up right. If you're on the other side of that equation and you're a partner and you want to get started with us, simply send us an email to uh, Cloudfront Partners at Amazon, and we will uh, we will walk you through the process and all the benefits that are listed here of being a partner. So, let's talk about a couple of examples uh, real quick with the, the time that we have remaining. So GoPro and Mapbox, and if you want to hear more depth about either of these, both customers are speaking at different sessions today. So GoPro launched a service called a GoPro Plus. It essentially allows their customers to take content from their cameras, upload it into the cloud, transcode that content, edit that content, and then deliver it or share that content to any of the users around the world. This is a huge service for them, and they generate tons and tons of content, and this is hosted within AWS. The process is that the content that's recorded on a GoPro device or that comes from the, the editing software on a PC is uploaded into the AWS cloud. It's transcoded, and then upon request, the CDN, it's transcoded with the Elastic Transcoder, stored in S3, and then upon request, the Amazon uh, CloudFront service delivers it globally. So you can imagine with user-generated content, some of that content is super popular, or can be super popular, and so we have to scale to meet that demand. But also, some user-generated content just really isn't that popular, so there's a long tail to it, but yet we still deliver that content with the same scalability and reliability and security. For Mapbox, they uh, have a lot of geographical tiles that they deliver to uh, for mapping applications. They have about 200 million uh, monthly average users. We receive billions of requests today for these a day for these tiles, and these tiles are their most valuable asset. So they want to make sure that their, the, the requests that come in are authenticated, and so that just the right users are getting that, and there's no bots or scrapers scraping these tiles and, and using them uh, for applications that they're not for. But they also want to make sure that the cache efficiency is correct, that the, the tiles are there and appropriate, and that the CDN is responding quickly, because it's important to get the map data as fast as possible. They use CloudFront uh, to do all that, and then they also are able to uh, achieve tremendous cost savings by doing so. The question always comes up to me, uh, what about Amazon and Amazon properties? Does Amazon use CloudFront? And the answer is yes. There's a number of, uh, here's just a few of the Amazon properties that are using CloudFront today. And you'll notice that we really span across a variety of different uh, industries and use cases, from e-commerce to uh, audio streaming on Amazon Music to video streaming on Amazon uh, Instant Video, uh, Fire TV, IMDb, IoT uh, applications using the Amazon Echo, and of course our very own Amazon Web Services. And experience matters, right? So we're on both sides of the equation. We're both a service provider and we're a customer of these services as well. So we understand your use case and we're very sensitive to that. And any of the, the, the performance tuning that we do, we, we keep in mind all of our customers and how that works. And really we have an advantage here in terms of 
what we can offer to you in terms of a high-quality, high-performant, and constantly improving CDN experience. So we tune for performance. We scale to across a number of different industries. We have some of the largest events uh, that we do for our customers and internally. And uh, we have both uh, software delivery updates and mobile applications. So what did you learn from today? Hopefully you learned something and you got something good out of this. Hopefully you learned that what CloudFront is, that it's a critical and necessary and can be a necessary component of your default architecture, that it can be used for static content, dynamic content, it can speed up your applications and help you scale, uh, that there's really no minimums to the service, it's easy to use, as enterprise performance, there's a free tier, so why not sign up? So that's what I have for today. I thank you for your attendance. Uh, I ask you that to re remember to fill out your uh, evaluation. And if you're interested in other sessions for CloudFront, the AWS WAF, media, uh, and uh, further technical information, there's a couple 300 levels that are coming up uh, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. So please uh, attend those. And I will be available for about 10 minutes here on the side of the stage. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your reInvent. Thank you very much.